What's going on, guys? Got another edition of the Connor and Mark podcast brought to you by 91.7 WCUR, The Curve. Alongside Mark Rogers, I'm Connor Gay, bringing you another edition uh, of this week's episode. Uh, obviously, a lot to talk about with the MLB. Uh, news coming down with uh, Miami Marlins. Uh, I believe 13 of their members of their organization tested positive after their series with the Phillies. Uh, both the Phillies game tonight with the New York Yankees got canceled along with the Orioles-Marlins game. So MLB is frantically trying to figure out what they want to do with uh, how to handle this situation. We're also going to be talking about the Eagles, who are coming back, reporting soon for OTAs, uh, how it's going to look and how how the MLB's kind of situation is going to impact what's going to happen to the NFL. Also, we're going to touch about Flyers, that they're finally going to be returning tomorrow. Uh, at four o'clock to be facing the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're already they arrived in a bubble in Toronto yesterday, and they just had practice today. So they're going to have their first um, preseason game uh, before their NHL playoffs start, which I believe will be August first. So uh, first off, Mark, how you doing, and uh, how your week been? Good man. It's uh, you know it could have been a little better if the Phillies. Um you know, kind of lived up to expectation for, for the opening week, but we'll definitely get into that. Um, but, yeah, good, man. Got baseball back. Hopefully it stays back. Um, you know, how you just brought up with the coronavirus with the Marlins. Um, you know, hockey coming up and, you know, the bubble situation as well as the NBA bubble situation, um, you know, kind of provides some stability there. So I'm excited to, to get back to some regular season hockey as well, playoff hockey. And then a little regular season uh, basketball, and it'll be fun, man, down the stretch. But doing well. Can't wait to get in the show today and, and most definitely talk about the Flyers. Yeah, most definitely. So we'll talk out with the MLB. Obviously, we're, we're expecting to talk about um, in the Phillies and Marlins series as the Phillies opened up in Philadelphia to face Miami uh, and dropped two of the first three against them. Uh, lost opening day, won the second game, and then lost, uh, I believe, was it yesterday's game to Miami. So, uh, obviously, we thought we were going to be talking about that, but uh, news came out today that 14 Miami Marlins members uh, of the organization tested positive for COVID-19 following the weekend series of the Philadelphia Phillies today. uh, The MLB scheduled a call with the 30 owners uh, at 1230 to talk about, um, you know, what's going to happen with the past 48 hours and what's the future plan. I believe that, um, you know, really – there has been not what the owners have been saying. There's not been a lot of talk about canceling the league. Uh, but obviously with everything going on, you just never know. Cause it all it took was one or two cases in March to cancel the season, even though it's different. We know a lot more now. It's still scary that, you know, just like that 11, 13 guys just got diagnosed with it. So obviously it was a tough series on the field, but now off the field, new dramas come into play, Mark. So what do you think about this whole situation with the MLB? Obviously they're not in the bubble at the NBA or the NHL, but they are um, trying to get the season underway, but now there's a little bump in the road. Do you think that they stay the course, or do you think the season's going to be ending before we know it? Um, I mean, I want to be, you know, a sports fan and, and optimistic like everyone else. I definitely want to say it's not going to end, but you just touched on it there. The, the non-bubble situation kind of, as I said in the beginning of the show, um, provides the NHL and NBA with that stability. And, and unfortunately, it's a con for the MLB, and it doesn't provide them with a lot of stability. So, um, you know, you got guys traveling from park to park, and, and quite frankly, some guys might be, be going out or, or doing stuff that, you know, maybe they really shouldn't or when they're in a bubble they're not doing. Um, so you don't know that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's what kind of makes it real tough with the MLB. Um, but, you know, like we talked about before as well, 
it's kind of it's kind of hard to confine guys for um, you know a more of an extended period of time rather than what the NHL and NBA is doing with the playoffs uh, versus a half season or so. So, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough. They're definitely going to have to get over this this huge bump in the road, um, definitely health-wise, um, because before the game on Friday, uh, Jorge Alfaro, who was the Marlins catcher, um, you know, was put on the IL, I think it is called now, uh, the IL. And, you know, he, he came out and COVID was the reason he was out on Friday. Six more guys tested positive after Saturday and then, um, you know, 13 total guys after Sunday. So, you know, you got to kind of question the integrity here of, of the teams to kind of keep it safe for everybody. So it's really up in the air. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep it going. But, you know, another major bump like this in the road with a lot of guys contracting it in, you know, a small period of time, um, especially on one team, you know, could end it for all. So it's going to be tough, man. Yeah, according to Bob uh, Bob Kapish for Bleacher Report, he said the Marlins players were likely infected in Atlanta last week, not in Philadelphia over the weekend. Philly's players are being tested today at Citizens Bank Park, undergoing deep cleaning. The Yankees were uh, sequestered into a remote hotel, but they are expecting to play uh, the game tomorrow in Philadelphia. But uh, the, the I believe the Baltimore Orioles, who flew into Miami, expecting to play the Marlins, um, oh, just flew out of Miami, so they are not going to be – uh, playing that game tomorrow either. So that game has just been canceled as well. So obviously um, got up in the air and, and really so much unknown with this stuff, even though it's been what about four or five months since this, you know, uh, virus came to the U S it's still, you know, a lot of up in the air about, you know, the bubbles. And I know a lot of people have been, um, you know, very supportive of the NBA and the NHL's idea to bubble everything off. And, um, and make sure these guys are, are away from other people outside of their, you know, uh, the realm of the arena and hotel. But obviously with the MLB, it's, it's the start of a new season. So it's hard to convince, you know, the whole week to bubble off in, in some part of the country and, and try to play these games. So even though the NHL and the NBA have done a good job with, with test numbers, no one's really been tested positive that much. It's really been a really low scale number of people. It's, it's still, um, this is the hand or the cards that the MLB has dealt with and, Obviously, we're getting into the NFL as well, so that we're going to talk about how that dynamic works. But obviously, it's, it stinks. It stunk watching the Phillies play normally, too, um, even when on the field. But um, there's a lot to talk about with that. But uh, with all the field reasons, it's, it's a shame that, you know, sports have finally come back and we're still on the topic of this virus. It still hasn't gone away. And uh, hopefully, you know, um, the MLB doesn't end their season. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, like you said, exactly, and we both touched on it, so. I mean, you know, the, the bubbles, are, you know, probably the biggest difference here of, of why, you know, the NBA and, and NHL, um, you know, might finish their seasons. So, I mean, we'll see. It's definitely, you know, uncertain for the future. But one thing that is certain, I think, and, and I think, Connor, you can agree with this, was terrible weekend for the Phillies coming out. Such high expectations um, against, you know, a, I don't want to say a weak opponent. I think the Marlins are getting better. Um, they have a lot of young players. Uh, the starting pitcher for them on, on Friday, Alcantara, I think the name was. Um, he pitched a phenomenal game. But, you know, first and foremost that I want to touch on, and then, you know, you can touch on whatever, you know, you're disappointed with because, you know, there's a laundry list of that. But, you know, I think Nola uh, really was the, you know, dictator of, of this weekend and kind of dictated the way that the Phillies were going to play. Um, you know, he had six great innings, one one run given up, um, and then that's, that's – 
three run inning in the in the sixth um you know kind of hurt him and and you know did the fills in so you know i really think like i said last week when we were doing our predictions um you know this Phillies team solely predicated off that pitching staff and um you know for for the few weak links that they have in it with arietta and the uncertainty in Eflin, um you know they really need to get that run support and i thought that was the other thing that was just um mind-boggling they couldn't you know they they only put up um i mean they put up 14 they put up 15 runs this entire week but for opening day two runs i feel like it's just inexcusable but what do you think about the team and, and what do you think really stood out to you um i think that hitting the, the two things that stuck out to me the most is probably with runners in scoring position these guys were unable to get any runs in uh, i think mm-hmm. they had the bases loaded three times on the sunday matinee and they were unable to get any hits when in the, when i mean when they needed it the most um and it was mostly in the middle of the lineup guys like Bryce, you know, Hoskins, JT, um, and they, they really didn't come through. And, um, you know, that's, that can't happen. Obviously I know it's one series, but it's against Miami and it's a shortened season. So you need to get off on a good start. Uh, the bullpen's really young. They got some, you know, arms in there that, you know, you could throw some heat, but really it's a lot of inexperience. So there's not a lot of guys you can trust in late innings to, you know, get some outs. And we saw that happen. Um, obviously with Vince Velasquez, it was disappointing. Uh, I know it seems like every year this this coaching staff and the media will talk him up as this guy who's really talented, and he is talented. He has, you know, a great arm, and and he and he is um, at times he, he looks fantastic, but uh, he gets rattled really easily. And and once things turn go downhill, it's it's a fall down, it's a long you know fall downhill. So, um, you know, Vince Velasquez didn't look great. I thought Zach Wheeler in game two looked fantastic. Uh, I think he's definitely worth the money. He has you know he has great arm and he pitched very well. Um, Bryce played okay. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he looked good, but he didn't look great. Um, Hazley looked fantastic in game three. He got his first start. Yeah, I think he had four or five. It was, you know, a great start for him. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, I, I remember I was watching open day with my buddies and it was obviously, obviously very disappointing to see, you know, how that game, you know, turned out to be. I thought Noel played okay. Uh, the bullpen did not play well. And obviously the offense was not, you know, hitting at a high rate. So obviously on the first series, I'll give him like a, C minus D plus. It was not really a great effort, and it's not the way you want to start the season. And I know it was their hope for a quick turnaround against the Yankees is a very good team, but it's going to have to wait. I don't know. Hopefully, they can play a game tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. And I think you said it there. The, the runners in, in scoring position, especially Sunday, was you know atrocious. I think four times um, they had bases loaded um, and to end it, to end the inning. So that's just again that that falls under the you know, the term of unexcusable for sure. And, and the Phillies, if they want to be successful, especially in a division like this, and, you know, in a high-power division as the Braves showed, you know, they're, they're not taking any prisoners. Um, you know, pitched a great game on Friday for the Braves with Soroka. They lost one nothing to the Mets, and then they came back out. There's two other games and, and smothered them. And Sunday was no different with, I think, 14-1 to was the final. But, you know, the Phillies are going to have to have to beat the Marlins and, and teams such as the Orioles they have coming up on their schedule, um, Blue Jays, they need to beat these types of teams. And, you know, from what I saw this week, um, you know, baseball being away for so long, opening day, so much hype around this lineup, so much talent. And you come out and you kind of lay an egg like that against, you know, the Marlins at home is, <clears throat> you know, it's it doesn't really give you a good taste for the rest of the season. So, you know, I, would, I think they can come back from this. Um, but I think everybody's got to got to buy in here. I think Didi looked great. Um, 
you know, I definitely want to note that Dee Dee had two home runs, I think. Um, but yeah, everybody's got to click at the same time. Everybody's got to, you know, do their part. And, and the pitching staff is, you know, the, the brightest light, um, you know, spotted on the fills. So with that being said, um, you know, if Connor, if you got anything more on the fills. No, nah, man, we can move it on to the NFL if you want to. Yeah, we can move on. Yeah, definitely to the NFL. So, you know, like you said, um, OTA is coming up for, for all the teams, but we'll dig into that, but but more into the season and, and how the NFL looks like they're shying away from um, the bubble, at, um, you know, option. And what do you think about that? Um, it's going to be hard, I think, to, to get, uh, you know, the player association, the players union to buy into a bubble with a 16 game season. It's, it's not going to be you know, enough. That's going to be 16 weeks. Uh, away from their family. I don't think they want to do that. Um, you know, I think the NFL is on the same type of track as the MLB is. Um, obviously, a lot can change when the season starts in September. Um, if any type of new treatment or anything like that comes out, that could really help the cause to fight against this virus. But as of right now, they're probably dealt the same hand as the MLB is, and they're going to figure out, you know, how they're going to do this. Because at the end of the day, if you're not in a bubble, people aren't going to get this. Um, and it's the only thing you can hope for is it doesn't spread at a wild rate um, and to the point where the majority of your team has it and you have to miss time. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for, you know, college football. It's going to be tough for the NFL to figure this stuff out. Um, I know they're going to be taking a lot of precautions. I saw that when they came in today, they had to come in, take their temperature. They're all wearing a mask. Um, I'm sure they're getting tested, you know, a couple times a week. I really don't know how many, how much a week, but um you know, I really hope that um, I really hope that the season happens. I know that you know America does not want to see football not happen, uh, but I'm really I'm now after seeing what happened to Marlins and and how they're you know the majority of their team got it. I'm a little hesitant on whether or not NFL can play a full 16 games. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. And, and again, I know we keep touching on it, but the bubble option, you know, with with this virus and how easy it is to contract it, I feel like that's the only real. Um, you know, option you have to, to kind of have that stability to finish your season. And, and especially in a sport like football where, you know, you're so close, um, you know, to guys. And I know basketball is a lot like that, just with the closeness of guys and guys getting, you know, like rubbing on each other and sweating and stuff like that. Um, you know, I understand that's all part of the game, but <clears throat> if guys are traveling and, and doing stuff that, you know, they're not supposed to going out, um, you know, in, in the cities, um, you know, it could definitely come to an end real quick. And, you know, the last thing I definitely want to note in, in regards to the football is they got the biggest rosters out of any, you know, four major sports. I mean, they're carrying 60 to 75 guys. So um, to do the bubble as well, it's just such a tough option just to, you know, house all those guys and, and keep them spread out, um, you know, all that sorts of, all those sorts of things. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough at this point in time, but like you said, if something comes along by September, um, you know, hopefully they can play in their own stadiums um, and they can make it work for those 16 weeks and, and beyond in the playoffs. So definitely be something to watch. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy when this season starts. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to work. I know the, the NFL player association and the union have really, you know, urged the NFL to make sure they have proper, um, you know, guidelines and make sure everyone's safe when, when they enter and, and leave, you know, stadium and, and facilities and stuff like that. Um, just so many people at factor, so many people to play. 
um, within his within his league and every organization. So I'm hesitant. I'm hopeful that Eagles football season can happen, but um, you know, it's really it's you know it's I'm hesitant to see you know uh, what you know what's at play here and uh, and how long the season can actually you know go on for both for the MLB and the NFL. Of course, of course, and and the one thing I do want to note, uh, lastly for for the NFL, is I think we're wrapping up, um, and and just for the you know whoever's checking this out, um, we're gonna have Mike Quinn and Ryan Powell join us um, to talk some flyers, preview the qualifying matches. Um, and, you know, kind of do some some predictions, especially for the exhibition game tomorrow, Flyers-Penguins, and then, uh, you know, some Stanley Cup predictions. But before we do get to that, um, you know, the last thing about the NFL is, is Dalvin Cook. Um, and I kind of want to get your two cents on this, uh, Connor, about, you know, Cook not showing up to camp, he said. Uh, his agent said it as well um, until he gets a new contract. And this seems to be, uh, you know, a better day trend now in the NFL. I mean, quarterbacks are getting a lot of money, but you know, running backs are, are really high up there. We saw that deal with Zeke. Um, you know, unfortunately, we saw that deal with Gurley a few years ago, which didn't really, you know, work out too well for the Rams, um, you know, unfortunately with the knee injuries. But, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to, to see, I mean, Melvin Gordon holding out, but I'm interested to see what you think, Connor. But Dalvin Cook expected to make $1.3 million um, on the final year of this rookie deal uh, holding out of Minnesota. And would you pay him? Do you think he's worth it? I'm against paying running backs, but with the Minif- uh, with the Viking situation uh, with Kirk Cousins, uh, he's coming off a big year. But I think a lot has to do with Dalvin Cook being behind there and you know, having talent like uh, Thielen and, and Diggs on the outside for him. But losing Diggs to Buffalo and and Dalvin Cook hanging out or um, uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, waiting until he you know gets his contract extension, uh, you know, may put a lot of pressure on the Vikings front office to make sure that they can bring in the right guys to surround Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, I, I think he's a top five running back. You know, I think he's up there with, you know, Barkley, uh, Henry, Elliott, um, McCaffrey. I think he's right in there. I think he's like slots right in that five spot. So uh, I think that, um, he's, you know, he, he had a great season last year. He's had some injury history coming into the league and, um, I believe his rookie year he got injured, but I think, you know, you're going to have to pay him. Someone's going to pay him, um, if he stays healthy, of course. And, and he came off a big year and I think that, he's probably going to get around, you know, upwards of 10 plus million or somewhere up there, you know, probably close to, you know, Ezekiel Elliott money and, uh, and uh, Derek Henry money. So I, I, I don't know. I'm hesitant against paying running back because you know, their, their shelf life is really short. Um, but I think that if you're the Vikings and with Kirk Cousins, you need as much talent as you can around him. So I think they're going to probably get a deal, uh, get a deal done. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm totally in agreement with you about not paying running backs. Um, definitely against it. I just think, like you said, the the risk. Um, you know, the 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 evaluation of the you know investment with a running back. You know, can be can be a little south sometimes. Um, you know, just due to that risk of injury. Um, and you did mention also the injury that he did sustain his rookie year. I think it was a torn ACL. Um, but you know, I would, I would definitely put him behind Cousins. I think he, he attributes to a great year of Cousins. Uh, you know, he can catch out of the backfield. He's just an absolute truck. Um, you know, when he's finding that lane, and and he's a great runner. So, um, you know, I, I really like Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, I hate the Vikings, but I love Dalvin Cook from Florida State. Um, and I think they definitely need him this year with with the loss of Diggs. But you know, they did bring in a great receiver in, in Justin Jefferson. So. I think it's good to have Dalvin back there for a little bit. 
um, while they groom Jefferson and, and get him to an elite uh, receiver, which, you know, I think, unfortunately to the Eagles, he was there, but I think he's going to be a good player in the NFL. So, um, you know, I, I agree. I think they should sign him. And, and the last thing um, also in the NFL that uh, we didn't touch on was uh, Jet safety, Jamal Adams got, um, you know, traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and I was, you know, I kind of scratched my head on this deal and, and you know, I'll, I'll let you chime in after, but uh, real quick, the details of the trade, the Jets sent over uh, Jamal Adams and a fourth round pick um, and the Seahawks sent back Bradley McDougal, I think it is. He's a safety, pretty, pretty good safety. Um, two first round picks this year and next year. Um, and then a third round pick. So uh, the Jets made pretty good. I mean, pretty good on this. Um, <laughs> the Jets don't really have a great history of drafting aside from Jamal Adams, um, you know, pretty high up. And these probably are going to be later round picks, but, um, you know, kind of for the both sides, um, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously the Jets got a lot in return, but the Seahawks trading for safety. Well, I feel like they have a lot of holes on the O-line and D-line didn't really make sense to me. So how do you think Jamal is going to fit in with the Seahawks? And, and do you think there's a Legion of Boom uh, part two coming in Seattle this year? Uh, I think he brings a superstar potential like Camp Chancellor, Richard Sherman, and Earl Thomas does. But um, I don't think they're obviously close to what they were. Um, I thought the haul by the Jets was fantastic. They brought in a lot of picks. Now, I, I think that's a good point with you bringing up that they have not done a good job with drafting. Uh, but they did bring in Joe Douglas to run the show, and I know he's done a good job in Philadelphia drafting guys, and, and he has a good track history. So I thought it was a good haul for how much, you know, Joel Adams was really trying to get out of there, and it really showed how much. Um, he did not want to be a part of that situation. Um, but, yeah, listen, he's a good player. Or not good, but he's a great player, really. He's going to make a lot of plays for the Seahawks defense. Um, and he's going to make, you know, he adds another star to that team with Russell Wilson and, and guys like that. You know, he's a good leader on the other side of the ball to counterfeit kind of Wilson. So um, I like the move. Um, I still don't think Seattle's, you know, number one in the NFC. They're not my favorite. But um, it, it really, I think, helps them push to- closer towards, you know, a Super Bowl and trying to get back to once they were. Once they were. Yeah, and, and just a fun fact about uh, Jamal Adams, he's actually kind of a Swiss, Swiss army knife, if you will, um, you know, for the defense um, that he's on now in Seattle. He played, I mean, obviously, his majority of the snaps in primary position is going to be safety. But he also played uh, cornerback. He played middle linebacker and outside linebacker last year. An outside linebacker came uh, second in, in the amount of snaps he took. So uh, it's pretty interesting where they could use him. He's a he's got a heck of a size for for a safety. Um, you know he's fast. He's he's super athletic. Um, you know he <clears throat> he had a few highlights last year of getting in on the quarterback and and kind of um, not on the D line obviously, but but rushing and and getting through great strip sack on on Daniel Jones. So. Um, you know, Jamal Adams, I think, is, is an elite player in this league. I think top five at his position in safety. Um, and, you know, I think he could fill some holes for Seattle, but I think they need a little more help on their D-line and, and, and their O-line as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, before they really take that next jump in, into being an elite team uh, in the NFC. So, Not for sure. And, yeah, we'll, we'll end this uh, NFL talk, and then we'll bring in Mike and uh, Ryan to discuss some upcoming Flyers hockey and AHL bubble. One, And we're back on the Connor Mark Podcast, now bringing in Michael Quinn and Ryan Powell. What's up, boys? How you doing? How are you guys I'm doing? doing? good, man. 
Good. I know we're bringing you in because now hockey's now coming back tomorrow. First game for the oh. Flyers. I know Mike's excited. I know Ryan's excited. We've been texting about it a lot. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, the Flyers will be facing the Penguins. I believe it's going to be on NBC Sports Network. It better be. It better be. I think it's going to be a live – or it's going to be a nationally televised game. So, I'll start off with Mike. Yeah, no, I'm going to start with Mike because he's the most excited. Mike, so the Flyers are going to be wow. coming back first game in a long time. Probably since, it's been since the Bruins game. Uh, a couple months back in March. So, how do you feel about like this? March 9th? Yeah, we're on March 9th, I think. So, how do you feel about this Flyers team, and uh, how do you feel about their chance to make a run? Yeah, I feel just as confident as I did back in March. Uh, there's no way that this roster is going to be stopped. I can, literally cannot see it happening. I just see the Flyers getting right back into it, steamrolling the Penguins tomorrow, steamrolling Boston on Sunday, and we're just going to fly through the round robin, dude. I don't know if we're going to go 4-0 and on the round robin, but I definitely think we're going to be a team to make some noise. I'm so excited. I can't wipe this stupid smile off my face because I can't stop thinking about the Flyers coming back. But I, I honestly, dude, there's no team in the Eastern Conference that scares me. But no, none. We're, no, we're too good. I know. I've seen a lot of predictions of the Flyers, you know, making a deep run and even as a dark horse for the Cup, you know, winning the Cup. For so, sure. obviously, this is an exciting time coming up. Ryan – I, the big game tomorrow against the Penguins. We haven't seen this team play in a couple months, but um, you know, I know there's a lot. You know, have a lot of confidence with the Flyers too. How do you see them, you know, playing tomorrow for the first game of like four months? I feel like it's going to be pretty bad hockey, like from both sides, for a good 10, 15 minutes. Just okay. everyone trying to get used to everything again. No fans. Everyone's going to be watching. Like, I mean, for me, is I want to see how the young guys. Like what they've been working out in the off season, the leadership of Contreras, Giroux, Hayes, how that steps in throughout the game, and most importantly for me is how well Carter Hart's going to look. Because I mean, he left the scrimmage. I think was it was the second or third scrimmage. They said like in the first period with back tightness, and he came back. And I just want to see how Hart feels fitting in and kind of just getting the mojo back. And guess like Av likes to call it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I definitely want to start off with this topic because this has been the most interesting one. I think this is the coolest one for every Flyers fan. Oscar Lindblom is, is going to be on the roster heading up to Toronto. Oh. I know. So he was diagnosed, I believe, with cancer, I believe, in January or February. It was early on in the season. January. And uh, he just finished up his one of his final treatments not that long ago, a couple weeks ago. So he's been on the roster. Uh, he's been around the team. We don't know if he's going to be playing, uh, but he's definitely going to be up there for, definitely for sorry, at least some emotional support for the boys. So Mark, I'll start off with you. Do you think there's any shot that Oscar actually suits up in this playoff run, or do you think he's just there for uh, to give the guys an extra push? I mean, I dude, I don't even know to be honest. He he could be, uh, you know, suiting up for the Flyers, which I mean would be spectacular. Um, but you know, if they don't, I completely understand. They want to play the safeguard here. Um, you know, he's been through some trauma the past six months, I'm sure, and and been separated from the game. Um, but dude, he's he's a great guy. He's he's really been keeping a smile on his face, and you know, definitely from from one cancer survivor to another. When I saw him ring that bell, man, it it, it almost brought tears to my eyes. So it was pretty awesome to see that. And and when he goes up to to Toronto with the Flyers, I mean, why the heck not? They're they're gonna go to the Stanley Cup with with that guy there, whether he's playing or whether he's not. So I think this is a magical year for the Flyers. Um, you know, I screw an asterisk and excuse the language if, if people say that next to this Stanley Cup because the Flyers have been a top five team all year. They've looked awesome. Their, their core's really stepped up and, um, you know, their leadership's really played well. So I think this is going to be 
some spectacular hockey tomorrow. I think I think Mike and Ryan are right in, in first 10, 15 minutes. It's probably going to be a little um, crappy because they just haven't played that much. But I think after the first period, it's going to heat up. It's going to be Flyers, Penguins, baby, exhibition or not, Corona or not. It's going to be some good hockey. And, and I'm just getting fired up talking about it. Yeah, I know. I know, Mike, and you've been talking about it a lot. You've been really supportive of Oscar on your social media and stuff like that, and and the journey he's been going through for the past couple of months. Could you actually imagine him actually suiting up? Not, it's been almost less. It's like less than a year since he got diagnosed with cancer, and then he can actually come back and maybe even play a game for the Flyers. I mean, it's it's incredible. Mark said it, and I completely agree. It almost brought tears to my eyes when I saw him ring that bell. Um, even not just being, just not even a hockey fan, just a pure you know, happy for him as a human being to be able to overcome such a big battle and especially during really tough times with COVID and everything. So um, kudos to him and his family for doing such an amazing job staying strong and really fighting through. And he's back where he wanted to be and working out with the team. And if he's good to play, he's cleared. Why not? I mean, if he thinks he can come in and make an impact, he's had just as long a layoff as the rest of the guys. So uh, I think it's, if there's any chance for him to come back in, time is, time is now because it's almost like an even playing field. So I'm definitely really excited. I'm super happy that they just signed him to that new deal. I'm happy yes. that he's got, you know, he's fully cancer-free, and I'm happy that he's there for the boys. Yeah, and I agree. And Ryan, we always forget about this with this amazing storyline with him. That he's he is a really good player too. He's come off a really good year, and he was uh, you know putting up points with you know connecting on that same line before everything happened. So even with the addition with the storyline, it's still an addition you know, as a player too. He could really fit into the lineup and 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 hopefully you know push towards a cup. Oh yeah, easily. Like I mean, you can easily put him back in the second, third line. I mean, he wasn't even like the leading goal scorer before he went out. So he was yeah, like he the was one playing. Pretty good because around October, like November, Flyers were mediocre, like how they always been. Like they were winning some good games, bad games. But Oscar was the only one legit during that time. And you know, if Oscar plays, I think that's just going to be something special. And I just feel like that's going to put a fire under everyone. Kind of like I relate this kind of like when Carson Wentz went down in in um, LA. You know, Nick Foles came in. They had three pretty bad games before they head in the playoffs. And then, boom, it went everywhere. So, everyone was riding with Nick Foles. And I feel like everyone wants to ride with Oscar and Hart. I think those are the two key players. And I think this year is something special. I can feel it. Not for sure. I know a lot of fans are excited, too. Obviously, number one fan, Mike Quinn over there, is getting super excited. But uh, before, uh, after, well, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about the, the qualifying games. So, the Flyers are going to have that bye, but they're still going to be playing games against Boston, Washington, Tampa Bay. As it pertains to the qualifying round, the five, I think I believe it's a five game of five, right? Or a series of five. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I'll start with Mark. Mark, what's, your, what's the series you're most looking forward to out of the East and the Western Conference in this qualifying right, round? So- so for West, I mean, I mean, you guys know I'm a big Oilers fan over in the West side. So, I mean, Oilers, Blackhawks, I think that's going to be awesome, man. I'm, I'm excited to see Patty Kane. You know, he, he's still got some talent. Um, and, you know, the Blackhawks have a good young core. I mean, it's normally goaltending that hinders them from um, not being a great team because they've obviously aged and that talent has, you know, aged as well. Um, but some of these young guys, I mean, they got Kubalik, they have the Brain Cat, um, you know, they have Crawford and Nett, who's been pretty good. But, um, I mean, it's all about Patty Kane. Um, I think Taves is going to rise to the occasion a bit. You're going to see a little more fire under him. Um, and then, you know, Dreisaitl McDavid, two of the most exciting guys in the league, get to play on a line together. 
And, um, you know, you normally don't get to watch their games from around us. So it's going to be cool that you're going to be able to check out every team, basically. Um, and I'm excited for that matchup. In in terms of the East, um, you know, I there's a lot of good matchups there. I think even, you know, Pittsburgh-Montreal is going to be pretty good. Um, I mean, I think Pittsburgh's going to win, but I think it's going to be a good game for them. I'm just taking a look here uh, real quick at the matchups in the in the East. But, I, I mean, I like Maple Leafs Blue Jackets. I think that's going to be a pretty gritty series. Um, it's going to be a pretty gritty team going up a pretty skilled team. Uh, very, very top-heavy skilled uh, in the Maple Leafs. But, dude, to be honest, any, any series I'm going to be checking out, I'm excited to watch any kind of hockey at this point. Um, and then the round robins is, is you know, just going to be sprinkles on top, basically, to, to a great um, qualifying match. And then some of the best talent in the league going up against each other early. So I'm excited for, for all types of hockey here. Yeah, Mike, with the good thing about this bubble, it's a nonstop hockey game after hockey game. So it never ends, really, the cool thing about it. So what do you think about what's – what's the series that you're most looking forward to in this qualifying round? For me, out of the Western Conference, I'm most excited for the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. I think that's a powerhouse matchup and could lead to some potential bigger matchups if Calgary wins and the Oilers win. We get a battle of Alberta there. So I'm really excited for the Calgary versus Jets matchup. I actually just love Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan. I really like Matthew Kachuk. Uh, so I think that's going to be a great series. It's going to be hard fought, big Two big teams definitely go against each other. It's going to be a tough, tough one. I think it might get full five series, full five games in that series. So that'll be exciting. And in the Eastern Conference, I'm really interested to see Carolina versus New York because New York had Carolina's number all season long. New York has three really good goalies to choose from, but Carolina has that almost like special feeling about them, like last year when they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals under Rod the Bob Brindamore. I don't see them really going down lightly, but I think that series is also going to be hard fought, full five games. I'm just so, so excited to just watch hockey nonstop from noon to 10 o'clock at night every day next week. I know. That, Ryan, yeah, and real, real no, quick, no. I don't mean to cut you off, but no, time in, dude. I mean, definitely the Rangers series is going to be awesome. I mean, before the, the coronavirus, I think Zibanej had – should have been in the running for the MVP. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know he's playing under Panarin, but, um, you know, he he had a five-goal game, if I'm not mistaken, and, and yeah, he did multi-goal games before that. So, um, you know, that is a great matchup to keep your eyes on, and, and I think the Benajad and Panarin could definitely uh, propel this team to a deeper run as well. No, for sure. I think the Rangers are definitely a team to watch out for. Ryan, if we're going from basically no sports to nonstop hockey – every single you know day so obviously uh, what series in the east and what series in the west are you really looking forward to i feel like in the east for me the slept on series is going to be the islanders and panthers on paper they look about like the same team forward i would give the panthers the edge with goaltending with having bob down there but with me it's the head coach matchup i think the head coach is going to be key especially being in the bubble I mean, you have Quinville and um, what's this? Who's on the Barry Trot. Barry yeah. Trot. And you saw what he did with the Caps a couple of years ago. Quinville, everyone knows with him in Chicago. So, like, I mean, that's just that's a slept-on series in my opinion. But I just – I'm cheering for Montreal. I think Pittsburgh's a little bang up because Crosby, I know, might not even play tomorrow in the scrimmage. So, I mean, Montreal could – <laughs> Pull something off, so. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Obviously, I know that we never want to see the Penguins win, but I feel like year after year, I've seen the Penguins come in and play the Flyers. I feel like this is the year that the Flyers definitely had the upper hand on Pittsburgh. So uh, I, I feel like we're on our way to that that series before everything started happening. But uh, so I'll start off. We'll we'll wrap up with I guess with this topic. We'll pick a winner in the East, winner in the West, and then a Stanley Cup final matchup. But we've been predicting a lot of this for basketball weeks. Uh, we've done, you know, some other podcasts, but really it's, it's coming into fruition now. It's right around the corner. And I feel like, um, <clears throat> you know, we're really going to have a good idea. So I'll start off with, uh, I'll start with Mark. So pick a team out in the West and pick a team out of the East and who you think is going to meet in the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, dude, I, I love the Flyers. I really think I would love to see them go. Um, you know, I just <laughs> see Mike over there. Mike's about to put his entire house on the Flyers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, my rent. <laughs> dude i got i got a real dark horse coming out of the of the east and and again it kind of goes to coaching um i think the islanders are going to make a pretty deep run here um and in the east i think they're going to meet washington <laughs> they're a little curveball there i think in the east they're going to meet washington and i think washington's going back um and in the west i mean you just really can't deny the, the talent of the blues and, and the year that they had last year uh, the goaltending is just absolutely unreal there um, so I think the Blues are going to meet the Avs, and it's going to be in a, it's going to be a run for your money um, in the Western Conference Final. And and I'm going to stick with who I got here. I got the Avs going to the Cup, um, and I think the Avs are going to play the Caps, and Avs are going to come out on top. I know the Avs have obviously a lot of talent up front, uh, leading the way with Nathan McKinnon. Mike, I know you've been. Uh, uh, I, I forget what your prediction was earlier a couple weeks ago, but I know uh, what, what are you picking in the East and what are you picking in the West? Come on, man. You think I'm not picking the Flyers? Are you kidding me? Flyers, Eastern Conference Final against anybody. We win. I don't care. Well, we'll say the Caps just because. We'll say the Caps just because I want to beat them. Uh, we'll beat the Caps in the Eastern Conference Final. Six games. Heard it here first. And then in the Western Conference Finals, I'm going to go similar to Mark. I'm going to put the abs there. But I think Calgary is going to make it all the way to the West, too. So it's going to be Colorado versus Calgary, the C for the conference finals in the West. And then I think Abs are going to do it. It's going to be a weird final with the Flyers and the Abs. But, oh, my God, the Flyers are going to steamroll the Avalanche in the Cup Finals. Raise the Cup. Baby Couturier, Baby Giroux, both in that Cup, hanging out, chilling like friends. And Oscar Lindblom gets handed the Cup. I, I die happy. All right. Well, Brian, obviously, I don't know if you're going to be enthusiastic in picking the Flyers uh, as Mike is, but do you think the Flyers make a run, and who do you think picks out in the West? Uh, I think the Flyers do make the run. I think they're going to face Tampa. I think Tampa's going to be hungry this year. I'm going with the Flyers and the Lightning. Um, Flyers, I mean, they didn't have the Lightning number, so I can see the series going to seven. Um, But I do like the Flyers coming out just because of the young kids. I feel like it's just going to be something different. And in the West – I think it's going to be – this is a curveball. I'm thinking it's going to be Dallas and Colorado. I think Dallas has something to prove with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan up front. They've been called out multiple times. I feel like this is their year to finally do something. But I still think Colorado is legit and Flyers Colorado. But I'm just going to go sweep. Sweep, it's going to happen. And Travis Connect is going to win it in overtime. Wow. Ooh. So a sweep. Of the that is good. Listen, we have some really hot takes. We have some hot takes going on. I just got full chill yeah. on my whole body. I know. I know. 
So uh, obviously, I definitely want to keep uh, all three of you guys for um, some post games for the games. I don't know if we're going to be doing it for tomorrow's game. If you guys are down, I don't care. But obviously, definitely for when uh, the series really kick in and, and after qualifying rounds and the Flyers play whoever they're going to play after we'll figure out, uh, you know, the, the games against Boston, Washington, and uh, and Tampa Bay. But obviously, I definitely want to do some post game reactions to the playoff. Uh, the playoff run, hopefully it's a long one. Hopefully it's not a short one. But uh, obviously I'll start oh, – yeah. we'll wrap it up. I'll start with, with Mark. So anything you want to say before the podcast ends? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to say the Flyers, man, I, I think that they're coming. Um, you know, you know I, don't, I don't want to say unfortunately, but this league, man, it's so tough. Um, hockey's so unpredictable. Um, and I know it sounds really cliche, but, you know, the Flyers are young. They have, they have some great leadership up, up front, um, you know, in Voracek. Giroux, Coots, you know, some seasoned veterans, but the young guys are, are really the story here. And and I think Flyers, you know, have a good run this year. Um, unfortunately, just run into a more experienced team um, in the Caps. But, um, you know, I think next year, two years, three years from now, they'll be, they'll be going to the cup final. So um, it's going to be a fun ride. And I think it's going to be a long ride. Um, definitely. Mike, what do you think? What do you wrap it up on? <laughs> I think, my saying for the entire playoffs is why not? Why not now? Why not us? I think we can do it. There's no expectations on us. to. This wasn't a, a year where we had to go out and win the cup. So there's no heavy pressure from upper management. There's no heavy pressure from fans. Fans are just really over this, like me, over the moon at how good the team was. So I think why not? If, if this is the year, why not? We can do it. I think it, any, like Mark said, hockey's unpredictable. Anything can happen. We saw a Cinderella story with the Vegas Golden Knights just two years ago, be their first year in the league. They said, why not? So same with us. I think the Flyers can do something real. Brian, I'll let you finish. So I'm just going to basically, I can agree with what Mark said. I mean, they could run into a very experienced team and lose, but then be down the road next five years. The Flyers look legit. I mean, if Carter Hart looks great in the playoffs, they they're going to be the next Chicago and Pittsburgh. I wouldn't be surprised. And um, what, what Mike said, I mean, if it happens, it happens. Why not go back to back then with fans in the, in the crowd? You know what I mean? Ooh, so, I mean, stop. I love that. I'm just honestly, I'm just ho- happy hockey's back. And yeah, why not, Mike? Why not? I was going to finish. I was going to finish on that point, but this actually slipped my mind. Um, the Seattle Kraken. Well, it was just oh, announced for the 32nd team in Seattle. Obviously, they unveiled their logo, their name, their jerseys. Uh, just quick, you guys. Uh, I'll start with Ryan here. What do you think of the Kraken? What do you think of their logo? What do you think of their whole brand? I love the jerseys. I mean, but I mean, I'm kind of tied this in with the Flyers. I feel like with the expansion draft coming up, the Flyers are going to lose a key member this year in that draft, just because they kind of got lucky with Vegas, but kind of tying in with Seattle and Philly right now. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers lose like a key piece, like maybe like a JVR, a Scott Lawton. I would not be surprised, but Seattle, I I think it's I love the name. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So Mike, what do you think? What do you think with the whole concept up there? I love the Seattle Kraken. I had I've heard that name rumored like a couple months ago and was set on it as soon as I heard it. I think the Kraken is the perfect name. I love it. I love, love, love their color scheme. There are three different logos that they unveiled. They all look great. Um, I think JVR is going to look great in the Seattle Kraken jersey. I might have to, I might have to pick one up to uh, to match the one over there. But if we lose JVR, I'm not super upset about it. If we lose Scott Lawton, I'm a little more upset about it. So, 
but well, I love the Kraken overall. I was never a huge fan of his contract anyway, so maybe it was just a blessing. Yeah, that's, why, that's, that's why the contract. That's why. Yeah. Well, Mark. Yeah, oh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, a lot can change in, in a year or so. You never know. Mark, you want to wrap it up on the Kraken? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'd, I'd ship JVR out there just for contract's sake, like you said. Uh, I think the Flyers got talent to, to kind of replace him. He's gotten a little older. Great tipper, great deflector in front of the net, but, you know, we can we can get Morgan Frost in there and then and pick up that slack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, just to wrap up, I mean, I didn't even know what a Kraken was, to be honest. I had to look it up. Uh, and I found out that it's a large sea monster. Yeah. Uh, and it's big in a Scandinavian folktale. So, I uh, learned something new every day, and, and that's one of the new things I learned, what a Kraken was. But uh, I'm excited, man. I love the jerseys. I love that there's another team coming in here. Why not? Um, it's going to make the league a little more competitive. And, and just with this – influx of young talented guys that are coming into the league especially within the last five years um you know i think it's only going to make the league better it's only going to make it more marketable and and you know i can't wait to see how they fit in in their first year maybe they'll win the Stanley cup in in their first year again so we'll see we'll see what happens obviously that could be on the horizon the following season but with everything coming up in the upcoming playoffs just make sure you stay tuned to wc water we'll be reacting to every flyers game after um, alongside Ryan Powell, Mike Quinn, Mark Rogers, I'm Connor Gabe on the Connor and Mark Show podcast. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week.